Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I am your host, Tracy Thomas, and today we are joined again by Jenna Paris of the Mama Said podcast to discuss Crib Sheet by Emily Oster for The Stacks Book Club. There will be no spoilers today, so if you've not read the book, don't worry, you can listen and enjoy. Before we get to the episode, here's a little housekeeping. All right, here it is, your weekly reminder. Everything we talk about on today's episode can be found in the show notes. There is a link there that will take you to all the books discussed today, as well as the social media accounts for the stacks and our guests. Plus, if you shop through the links on Amazon, you're helping to keep the stacks free. If you're looking for an amazing book recommendation, send us an email to askingthestacks at gmail.com. Myself and my guest will read it on air, discuss it, and then give you a personalized book recommendation or five. So email askingthestacks at gmail.com with your name, what you're looking for, and maybe a few titles you've loved or hated. If you like the stacks and want to support the work we're doing, here are a few easy ways you can help. First of all, join us over on Patreon. That's a website where you support the work we're doing and earn perks for yourself. We've got a virtual book club, we got inside access to the show, and we have an amazing community of other readers who love the podcast. So head over to patreon.com slash the stacks to join in. The last thing you can do to help the show is definitely the easiest. Subscribe to the stacks wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review and tell your friends and family about the show. It goes a really long way to helping us reach new audiences. All right, now it's time for the Stacks Book Club conversation of Emily Oster's book, Crib Sheet. All right, you guys, we're back today with Jenna Paris from the Mama Said Podcast. Jenna, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me again. So excited. Okay, we're talking about Crib Sheet by Emily Oster. It's a data-driven guide to better, more relaxed parenting from birth to preschool. Um, it's a parenting book. We've never done a parenting book on the show because what do I know about parenting? Um, I still well, now you do. Anything. Well, not yet. <laughs> when you guys are listening to this, I'll be like two weeks <laughs> into being a parent. So it's a lot. Two a long two weeks. I'll Let have me tell you. a lot, I guess, yes. by then. But I'll have a lot more Crash to go. Course. This book. So basically, we should say Emily Oster is. She's an economist. Oh, yes. Right? Economist. Yes. Uh-huh. And so she basically, when she got pregnant, she was like, I didn't know what advice to take or yeah. listen to or whatever. And so I started looking at all these different studies. And then she wrote her first book, which is called Expecting Better. Mm-hmm. And then once she had a kid, 
two kids. She then went back and took a bunch of studies about parenting and made crib sheet. So she goes through and she'll look at blind studies or randomized trials or all these different types of studies about all the different things that are come up in parenting. And she talks about them throughout this book. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a rundown for what it is. Um, And it's things like circumcision and co-sleeping and nanny versus daycare and being a stay-at-home parent versus being a stay-at-work parent yeah. is what the kid yeah. calls it in the book. Um, so we always start here. What did you think of the book? Oh my gosh. I love it. And I will forever tell people to read this as their manual for if they ask me questions, I'm just going to say, go read this book. It is so spot on for what moms need, ask about when they're curious about everything. I mean, it touches on every single important topic from the second your kid's born or before until, you know, preschool, um, until what school, what type of school, um, Reggio Emilio, right. any, it just, it is such a well-written book. And I say that because it's not complicated. Right. It's like, it's, it's, she also has like these cliff notes, cliff notes at the end. So it's like basically what you take from this chapter is here's the research research I found. This is good. This is not good. This is good. Here's the bottom line. She right. gives bottom lines. And that's like what moms need when they're pregnant and they're frantic and they're nervous. They just want the bottom line. Like I want to trust someone to have done the research for me and just give me that bottom line. Is this good or is this not good? Right. Right. And I think like I really like this book because – I am super anxious about becoming a parent and becoming mm-hmm. a first time parent to two, two people at once is also really terrifying. Yeah. And I felt like this book gave me options again. Yes. Like I felt like she really empowered me to, to actually make decisions. Yeah. As to feel like I'm drowning in the breastfeeding debate. Right. And like it really doesn't need to be that complicated. Right. And she really kind of demystified things. Yeah. And she goes through and she does all the work of reading through the studies. Yes. Like, thank you very much. I appreciate you doing the work because I don't know if, even if I had read all the same studies, if I would even know how to understand them in the same way. And I felt like the wrap up at the end of each chapter was really helpful. And she, she really like, because the wrap up at the end of each chapter isn't always, this is what you should do. Yeah. And basically the whole book, she says to you, like, you need to weigh the costs and the benefits yeah. and both things. Yeah. And I think but I also like helpful. how she brought in her own personal experience. Totally. And it's funny because I really related to everything she said. Like, I was like, oh my God, she's me. Like, I, <laughs> like, I, I basically, because I went through all this, like, I already went through the what to give the baby the vaccine when they're born and da 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 da. Um, I was like, if I, I related so much to her personal choices. Right. Um, yeah. And she does share them in addition yeah. to, but she does it in a way that's not like what I did was right, but it's like, this is what was right for me exactly. at this time. And like, she has two kids also like you. Yeah. And so her first child boy is a girl, a girl yeah. and her uh-huh. second child, I believe is the boy. Yep. But she talks about how things were different and yeah. how she made different decisions based on what was the right yes. for them. Like the even, sleep training. Right, and the, yeah, exactly. Either, so I really yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, because I think also with parenting, at least for me, and I don't know if you can speak to this when you were pregnant or early on, mm-hmm. that we think so much about how we're going to be hurting our kids by making these decisions. Yeah. And it was a reminder of how much good also can come from the decisions when you start to look at the benefits, right? Yes. And I think that I'm so focused on the costs. I'm like, mm. if I don't do this right, 
this is going to ruin my child. And yeah. she's like, okay, maybe, but like, actually, yeah, it's there's a, actually not that much risk. And there's actually yes. a lot of benefit for not doing it or doing it or whatever it is. Exactly. Like when she was saying like stay at home versus not stay at home, she was like, your kid's not going to not be attached to you. Like just because right. you go to work, like you, you're going to have the same attachment. Like it's, it's okay. Like right. do, look, like go to work, enjoy your life right. as a working mom. And that like there's really no difference after the age of five. Right. Between like there might be a small advantage between like three and I think it was like between three and five for kids who have one full time parent. Yes, and one yes, yes, parent. yes. But yeah. by the time they're seven, it's like basically yeah. completely gone. Yes. Which is makes such a huge difference when you start to think like you're so stressed about is this going to ruin my kid? Is my kid going to be dumb? I know. And my kid get into Harvard? And she's like, by the time they're five, nobody yeah. even knows. So funny. I, this is like kind of off topic, but a lot of people have always said to me like when my kids are young, they'll never remember. It's okay. Like that's the advice they gave me. Like you're going to go out to dinner when they're six weeks old. Why do you feel guilty? You'll never remember. It's like – That's how I feel. Yeah. So we're, we're currently recording in an apartment that's not my home and my home is being renovated. And I've been out of my house and I felt – and I've been you know stressed about a million things in addition to the fact that I'm not in my house. But the one thing that has not stressed me out at all is people were like, well, what if they come early before you're in your house? I'm like, well, they're not going to remember. Yeah, exactly. I might be miserable. Yeah, yeah. But like – What's it to them? They're also sleeping in my room the first few months anyways. So what difference does it make if I'm in a one-bedroom apartment or if I'm in my home? Yeah. So like that's like the one thing that I'm like, they're not going to remember. I know. That's one thing I found really interesting. The study she showed, she asked, I believe it was a doctor who co-sleeped because the doctor was just like, my my daughter just doesn't sleep. So I'm, and I, I like that honesty because, you know, people are going to co-sleep. And even though people say it's so dangerous, um, like to see and the they difference. Do, to, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. We have some friends, my, so my husband's friends, they're two doctors and they co-slept their daughter. Yeah. I mean, she, I mean, well, their daughter still sleeps in their room. Both of them. Now they have a second kid and the first one's like oh three. God. Yeah. And so I feel like let that be a lesson. To yes. You. Yes. But, it could backfire at some point. But the kids are fine. I mean, of course. I, they're I probably slept, very cozy and fine. Yeah. I slept in my parents' bed till I was in middle school. Yeah. Like we all did. Yeah. I would get out of my mom would have to lay with me in my bed. Me so I fell asleep. Then when I would, she, once I would fall asleep, she would wake up and try to get out of bed. And I would be like, where are you going? Yeah. Then she'd get back in bed. Eventually she would finally leave and go back in her bed. And then when I would wake up, whenever I woke up in the middle of the night, you would I would go in go their bed. bed. Yeah. Until I was in middle school. Yeah. I still, when my husband, if he gets out of bed to go pee, yeah. I wake up. I'm like, hey, is everything okay? Yeah. Me too. I, I do that sleep. too. I do that too. And I was like very attached to, my parents and my like sleeping in my mom's bed and yeah I just I it's also like yeah there's a strict approach to baby sleeping but there's also like you have to kind of just be right like kind of well right okay about it I feel like I might be slightly more in the Jamie camp because I know that how much sleep means to me yeah two babies yeah I feel like I'm like I gotta go hard in the paint on the sleep thing because if I get lax yeah. I'm going to be the one who suffers more than anybody else. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like my kids were sleep trained both at four months. Oh, they were. Oh, I thought because I oh. on the podcast, you said like, I'm really good at sleep training other people's kids, but not my own. Be- well, because my son just like woke, like he was born and he never shut his eyes. So oh. like I, it was very hard for me to do it. Oh, nice. And I felt really guilty. I had to physically like remove myself from the house. I couldn't let, I couldn't hear him cry. My husband did it, but we did it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Okay, yeah. Good. Cause I'm 
I'm going hard in the paint on sleep training. Yeah, I mean, four months hit and for both. And with my daughter, it wasn't as hard, obviously, right. because I was like, he survived. He's alive right. after sleep training. So like my daughter will be too. Well, one of the things she says in this book is that the whole, the anti-cry-it-out community is that research came from Romanian orphanages. Right, right. Like, oh, but don't... That article, by the way, has been circling forever. Like I remember seeing that article a couple years ago and being like, oh my God, that's so sad. And it was so, it's, it comes up all the time. Right. And, and then on social media, people like, like repost it, it yeah. like it's a new thing. Right. And I, it was so interesting to hear her talk about it. I was like, oh my God, like, yes, they've been neglected for months and months right. and months and months. You are not neglecting your child for three nights. Like you're right. just like, you're still there every single morning and they wake up saying hi. Right. Um, yeah. I thought that was so interesting because yeah. I've, I've heard like the anti cry it out thing, but I've yeah. never read the article because I, why would I read an article? Yeah. Crying it out. We'll yeah. Yeah. But then hearing her talk about it and being like, this came from a 1974 like, yes. Romanian yes. orphanage. And I'm like, yeah. That makes more sense. And it made me feel so much better. Yeah. Because like I read that article. It like came out again and people were reposting it during the time I think when I was about to sleep train Daisy and it for a second it made me feel like a shitty mom. And then I was like, wait, never mind. Wait. <laughs> I, I need to sleep. I need to sleep. That's yeah. it. I mean, that to me is like – because she does talk about in the book a lot like it's not just what's good for the baby but it's what's good for the parents. It's good for everyone. Sleep training, I'm a big advocate. I mean, we always talk about our sleep – and mommy me guru, this woman, Jill Spivak, okay. who you should like definitely take her classes. Okay. Um, and I'll introduce you to her, but she, I mean, she's like the, the sleep person in Los Angeles. I mean, I like, if it wasn't for her, like, I don't even know how I'd be alive. <laughs> um, she basically, her mommy me classes are every single chapter of this book. It's incredible. But, but yeah, like sleep training. I mean, I, I remember after I sleep trained my son, like that week he had like 20 new words because really? he was sleeping. Yes. Like they have like cognitive bursts all of a sudden right. because everyone's sleeping and you're a better mom. Like that's the most important thing. If you sleep, you are a better mom. Yeah. I mean, I I remember not, I didn't sleep for five days straight when I had Milo because my delivery was like two days long. Mm. It was just like I was in labor, but it lasted forever. Right. And then he was in the NICU and I was too nervous. So I right. didn't sleep literally for five days straight. And I started hallucinating. I was so tired. Right. Like no sleep is no bueno. Yeah. Not sleeping is really dangerous. Dangerous. You, I couldn't drive. Yeah. You can't do anything. Yeah. Like how can you function? I mean, I, I'm i like a casual eight eight hours of sleep a night person. So yeah. I know that this adjustment is going to be really hard on me and I'm going to be sleeping like five hours and thinking- At that's first. Like, that's, at that's first. Like, but yeah. like remember, like at four months, you will be sleeping eight hours again. Oh, I sure Isn't will. that crazy? It's going to be great. Like if, you, like if you just think about it like that, like it's just like four months of like just like- Get- Get, get there. Yeah. yeah. Powering through. Totally. I'm I, I, I on the prize already. Yeah. And I also like when I was breastfeeding, like I also like didn't mind waking up because it was kind of cozy. Right. Even though my back hurt. Yeah. <laughs> it was still kind of cozy. I so. it's cozy. It's just too. I mean, I like that actually like might be easier to like put two instead of like one. Like you just like Dude. Yeah. I don't know. Some people do back to back where they do one and then the other. And then some people do two at once. But I think I got to go two at once because I don't want to spend all that time. No. Oh my God. No. If you can, if like your boobs will allow you to do two at once, like that's great. Yeah. And also that's so amazing. Your boobs will be the same size. Mine, like I 
favored uh, my left side. So my boob was like out to here and my right boob was like, hello. Oh, all your milk was going just to the left side. Yeah. So that's going to be great <laughs> to like have an equal like a distribution. distribution. Well, we'll yeah. If it doesn't work, if I can't do two at once, I think I'm, I don't know. We'll see. I'll pump. You'll see. I'll pump or whatever. I don't know. They make you go to like a lactation consultant. And I, I know the best one, Linda Hanna. You well, should they just. make me do it at the hospital. They made me do it like at the hospital, like as a doctor's visit. She's like a registered nurse. Oh, really? And it was like a pre, you know, they like yeah. talk to you about it. And I'm sitting there and she's like, well, we'll see what happens. And I'm like, so why am I here? Like, it seems that's helpful. But to that's why before. I didn't do that stuff. I yeah. didn't, um, I didn't take like the, I took CPR, of course, but I didn't take the birthing classes because what if I had a different experience? Right. Like that was just like one birthing class to say like here, everything's going to be perfect. You're going to deliver vaginally and bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. Um, I just chose not to do that. I'm not doing birthing class. I did a, I did. So I did a breastfeeding class. Yeah. I had a consultation with my lactation consultant from the hospital or like a all private one. Hospital. Okay. All the hospital. And then I did a like newborn class. Yeah. And I basically found all of them to be, and I did a maternity tour and I found all of them to be pretty much useless to me. Yeah. I found particularly the lactation consultant to be the most useless because it was like, well, you don't know how these kids are going to feed. So why don't we have this conversation after the babies are born? Lactation consultants at the hospital are notoriously not great. Right. I just think they're like, like, here you go, honey, figure it out and swaddle your baby. Bye bye. You know, like I just felt like it's like, why am I here at 28 weeks? That's like, I don't know. That's why I'm saying like afterwards you go see like a specialist. Like I said, this one woman who's incredible, like, she will come over and she will say, this isn't working for you. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't. Like she really like will literally tear, like just break down everything that's going wrong and everything that's going right with breastfeeding and she'll make a plan for you. And I love a plan. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's like, I feel like plans are just, you need a plan with everything. I love a plan. Yeah. I know the babies are not helpful for plans, but I need a game plan. Even you will have a game. It. Yeah. But that's it, just how I am. You'll adjust your plan exactly. all the time. Like I'm just one of those people. I think she even talks about like having plans in her books. Yeah. yeah. Some people don't, some people aren't into plans and schedules and that whole thing. I am. And I'm better if I have one and it fails. Of course. Yeah. And if I have, if I go in without a plan. Yes. Yes. Like some people can just be like, I'm going to wing it. We'll see what happens. Like, did it. Right. I think for the first year, it's important to have a plan, some sort of plan. Some plan. I'm flexible. Yeah. I'm a flexible planner. Yeah. That's how I like to think of myself. I mean, I can also be very, I'm very, when it comes to things that I'm fully in control of. Yeah. But if it's something that I know like other people are going to be involved in. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I remember like, writing down like schedules all the time being like okay like on word being like okay eight, six o'clock is wake up if, if they don't wake up at six like I'll let them sleep sleep till 6 30 literally like my life was this book right she even writes about it yeah. like it was I was laughing last night because <laughs> I reread things because I I had to refresh my memory and I was like I was like okay so I am basically Emily in this book <laughs> literally like from writing down the schedule um I don't know if you like vaccination is such an important chapter yeah. for me. Well, I'm I'm the wife of a doctor, so I'm very heavily team vaccine. Yeah, um, me too. We, and I am not the wife of a doctor yeah. and I'm heavy. Well, I mean, I think I would have been anyways, but because I know so I've heard so many stories mm-hmm. and like I think that I think that sometimes people forget that vaccines aren't actually for you or your child necessarily. Mm-hmm. They're for it's for the greater good. Yes. Um, and so it's something that you can do to be a good citizen of the world. Yes. Yeah, like let's not have an outbreak of something. Right. Yeah. 
And, and some people are vulnerable. Like right now, as a pregnant woman, I'm really glad to everyone who's had a vaccine for yeah. because it's keeping me Yes, safe, yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. then when I, I'm having two babies in the winter. Yes. And so everyone who's had a flu shot, like, thank Both you. Both of my babies were born in cold and flu season. Right. In like, like the worst ones ever. Exactly. It's yeah. like January. Of yeah. Course, it's going to yeah. be a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I got my flu shot. Of course. Because... You have to. I have to. And my husband is in the hospital every yeah. day. So he brings home stuff yes. all the time. Yeah. And when my father was ill before he passed away, mm-hmm. we, we started Sorry. getting we started getting flu shots. And I've just always gotten them since yeah, then. Yeah. It's, it's respectful. Like, it's respectful of other people. So I'm definitely team vaccine because you know, even just the flu, like people die from the flu. For yes, real it's it's not a joke. And and yeah. babies and older people, like they have no immune system. Right. People, like please, like for the love of God, like yeah. get a flu shot. So like babies and older people, like you know, don't get sick. And if you feel like you're getting sick because of your flu shot, guess what? That means it's actually working. yeah. They give That's you a little bit point. of it. I never cared about that. I mean, I'm just like, good, give me a little flu, whatever. But also, like it's not the actual flu you're getting. It's yes. your body responding to the yes. antibodies. Yes, talk to your doctor if you're confused what's going on. But- yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, something really uh, important in her book about vaccines is about spacing them out. I know a lot of my friends space them out. And if you read in her chapter, like I never knew, like I, first of all, like I don't really talk about it with my friends who don't, don't, or, or I don't, I'm not, yeah, all, all of my friends vac- vaccinated, but the spacing out thing, like I was never articulate enough to talk about like why you shouldn't, but she describes it really well in this book. She's like, if you, if you wait longer for some of these vaccines, you have a higher risk of getting some seizure thing or, oh, um, I don't, I don't know, but, um, there are very positive reasons. Yes. Very positive reasons to do it on time. Well, right. And people who are far, far smarter and have dedicated their lives to this work have put this schedule together, not to ruin you and your baby's life. Right. Like, because that is what they think is best for the greater good. Yeah. Work in public health and they work in, you know, like, it's not like, yeah, like I was like, here's a schedule. Like, yeah, like someone dedicated that people dedicate their life to infectious disease. Yeah. Oh, and she also says, she was like, but I guess like if you are spacing it out, it's better than not getting vaccinated at all. So I guess right. that's fine. But like the best thing to do is just do it on time. Yeah. Our pediatrician is so wonderful. And she, you know, when we were interviewing the pediatricians, she was like, we do it on a schedule. Um, and if you're not on to, into that schedule, then you can't come here because we want everyone to be he- the healthiest they can be. We don't want anyone waiting and giving our, you know, office the flu when they haven't gotten their flu shot yet because someone wants to space it out or their MMR vaccine. Cause the- she was like, no, this is not an office for you. Right. Well, that's smart. And I, I mean, loved that. I, really I was like, like Ping. yeah, I think that that, I think that one of the things that I've seen a lot in parenting I, I talked about this book last week called Small Animals and it's all about this woman. Yeah. And she, she talks about how... Will that be my next book I read? I think you might okay. really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, she talks a lot about how how because we have children later mm-hmm. in our lives now, kids used to... People used to have kids at 20, 25. And so you hadn't figured out your life yet. You didn't have an established routine. You right. You hadn't gotten deep into your career necessarily. You didn't, you didn't know what you didn't know. And yeah. so the kids became part of your life and it was something that just was like kind of like, oh, I also have a kid, but I still have I still have a life and I'm still have yeah. goals and I 
because a lot of people are like, I want to wait until I get to this milestone to have a kid or whatever. Yes. Oh, that's so interesting. And so I feel like that's also true with like even little things like like vaccines or Mm -hmm. with things like you know, you wait this whole time, you, you hold your kids up, you're like, I'm going to wait to finally achieve yeah. this motherhood or parenthood. Yeah. And then you put so much stress on it. Yeah. Where it's like, it doesn't need to be that big of a deal. Yeah. This is there is, ever a right time for anything? Right. And like, yeah. you would never tell your surgeon if mm. you needed a hip replacement. Right. Like, actually, I need you to space out my time. Right. You'd just be like, okay, you're a hip surgeon, like yeah. do it. And of course, we all want what's best for our kids and our mm-hmm. family and ourselves. But I think like, and this, uh, some of this probably comes from dealing, knowing what my husband goes through yeah. at work a lot, but like people are experts for a reason. I always say that. Yeah. And like, I said that when I was planning my wedding, Yeah, I said to, you know, the florist, <laughs> yeah. they were like, what do you think? And I'm like, I don't know. You, you tell know, me. You're you the expert. Season. I yeah. don't know what flowers are in season at the end of March. Yeah. Like whatever's pretty and like yeah. looks nice. Do like, it. I trust you, honey. Yeah. I'm like, um, I like it to be beautiful. Yeah. You know, my sister, uh, she's great now. She had Hodgkin lymphoma twice. Oh and gosh. so like our family has been through it. And, um, you know, talk about like compromised immune systems. I mean, she was quarantined and when she got her, you know, um, uh, stem cell transplant oh and, and all this stuff. So like, I just feel like doctors God bless them. Like they saved my sister twice. Um, medicine saved my sister. And it just made me that much more grateful um, to have these doctors doing the research for us. And I trust them. And I I really do. Um, I know there are a lot of documentaries out there that say like, you know, sometimes when you have cancer, like you you don't need to have chemo. And you know, like right. that's great if that worked for them. Right. Of course. But my sister needed you know, the chemo and she needed the immunotherapy. And this is, you know, I I trust doctors and I trust. And because of that, even just seeing her going into remission, um, it just, when I had kids, I was like, there's no, I I just, I'm listening to you. I'm picking a pediatrician that works for me and I'm going to do whatever they tell me to do. Yeah. And that's it. That's the bottom line. And I think like just not, not that I think that we need this disclaimer, but I'm going to give it anyways, just in case. We're both speaking from our experience. 100% my experience. If you you have a different feeling about vaccinations or doctors or whatever it is, like you're totally allowed to have that feeling and those, and those thoughts and whatever. And like, if that's you, you should live in your truth and what you think is best. But obviously Jen and I both have clearly have personal experience with the medical industry and the medical and like, it's not perfect and all sorts of things. Definitely and like, not. Shit goes wrong. And I can tell you more than that probably anybody shit does go wrong. Yeah. And I know that doctors make mistakes and all that sort of stuff, but that's where we're coming from. And I, I don't want to have, I don't want to have to get in fights with anybody or it shouldn't be like a that. fight because honestly, if I, if I, you know, spoke to someone that didn't vaccinate, vaccinate, I, I wouldn't hate them. Right. I would just disagree. Right. But I would still think they're an amazing human being if they are one. You right. know what I mean? Like this is not like a fighting. Like right. I just wouldn't that want them around my children. That's right. all. That's the right. That's yeah, the that's and like- that, that's the truth. I mean, look, like you can do whatever you want. Just like please be respectful right. to other kids and other people who have a totally. compromised immune systems. Totally. Do what you want. Right. You know. And I think like I think that's even a bigger thing when we talk about what's going on in the world right now. It's like you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Like you are a person, if you're an adult and you, you know, you can make whatever decisions you want for yourself and your family. But I think that the thing that people forget often is that those actions have consequences. Yes. And I think that that ultimately is the most important thing 
that I've been thinking about a lot recently, given like the current political climate and just like cancel yeah. culture and like yeah, all this stuff. Yeah. And people get upset and how dare you cancel so-and-so for doing such and such. It's right. Like, well, okay. They're not actually canceled. No one's actually ever right. been truly canceled. Like they all come back. They yeah. all do comedy specials yeah. again. Yeah. But I- I know. Sometimes a, it's better for their career. Yeah. It's <laughs> like I, as a consumer or as a parent or as a wife or whatever- I get the information, you do something, I have a response. Yeah. Like that's how the world works. Yeah. You can then respond to my response. You're allowed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like if you don't want to vaccinate your child, that's fine. But then I get to respond to that. Of course. And if you don't want to, you know, if you support X, Y, and Z, I get a response to that. And like I think that people think that free speech or whatever, free freedom means that you can do whatever you want and nobody can say anything back. And like, right. No, that's, mm, it's the opposite. Yeah. You live your life. You pick yeah. the truth, but I'm going to respond. Yeah. I'm going to have a feeling, even if I don't respond to you. Yes. I probably don't want to respond to you because I don't, it's like, who needs the drama? <laughs> right. But like, I'll have a feeling about it and I'm, I'm allowed that space. So I For think sure. like when we talk about these issues that come up in this book, I think that that's kind of the place that I'm coming from. It's like yeah. you can choose to be a stay-at-home mom or you can be an at-work mom and I can have my own feelings about yeah. that and that doesn't denigrate you in any way. That's just my response to your choices. Exactly. And it's not like, oh, I think you're a bad person for going no. to work yeah. or for staying home. It's yeah. just I, I'm filtering your experience through my experience. Yes, exactly. Like, We're allowed to be vocal about it. Yeah. Um, it's different than being... Being judgy. We're not being judgy. Right. We're just being vocal about how we feel about it. And that's totally. okay. Totally. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Okay, so I do want to talk about um, about stay-at-home mom versus... What yeah, calls a stay at work mom. Yes, I love that. that I was know. So cute, a I know. Boy. It was like, oh, what does your mom do? And it's like, was a stay at home mom. And he's like, oh, well, mine's a stay at work mom. So cute. Which I love. Brilliant. Um, my mom went back to work when I was three months old. Mm-hmm. My mom's like, what'd she do? She was a mortgage broker. Yeah. And she's like all the only woman. And she was like the Ooh, badass, like, love one, it. like the top of the company. Like, yeah. Whatever. But I had a stay at home ish dad. Okay. So my and that's dad, a, people don't usually have that scenario, and yeah. I, I like that. I want to yeah. hear more about it. So my dad was older than my mom by a lot of years. So when I was born, my dad was fifty. Okay. So he had already he had worked. My parents owned some apartment buildings at one point. Wait, they, where are you from, by the way? Oakland. Oh, cool. Yeah, okay. At one point, my parents owned a donut shop, which like truly <laughs> I was not alive for this. And it is yeah. the one thing that I, I'm still mad at my parents about. I'm oh like, my God. I was just talking to my mom the other day or like a few weeks ago. And yeah. I was like, how did you guys get rid of the donut yes. shop before I came? Because That's I so rude. I love a donut. That's the parenting fail. Tr- mom fail. Like I'll never forgive you guys. If you're listening, mom, <laughs> how listening. could you do this? How could you do this to me? <laughs> just kidding. You're um, wonderful, mama. Uh, but so... So, but my dad had had a million different jobs. And by the time I was born or I was a kid, he just managed the apartment buildings, but he took right. us to school. He picked us up. He, we would get snacks. Like he did the laundry. Did you ever feel different, like weird about that? No, or did I you ever think? Know. Yeah. I didn't even know. That's great. Uh, my mom used to work Sundays because she used to go to open houses because right. she worked in real estate. And I guess the story she tells is one day she came home and I was like two or three and we were watching football with my dad. Yeah. And she walked in the door and I was like, touchdown, mommy. Yeah. And she was like, I'm never going to an open house again. I need to be home <laughs> on Sundays. Didn't oh work. My God. Still love football. I, by the way, that's so cute. Yeah. So I I feel like I, I had a mom who worked a ton and mm-hmm. I had a dad who was a stay-at-home parent and it was I mean he was p- technically part-time because yeah, he was yeah but he was building. home more than your mother but he was yeah. there for drop-off and pickup yes. he drove carpool and he like did lunch yeah. and then when we were like five he's like you pack your own lunch yeah oh my god <laughs> like we were definitely he's like daddy's done yeah. yeah for sure yeah. but so you made the choice to be a stay-at-home yes. parent I totally did totally my choice um did you always want to do that um, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, luckily we were in a position where we could, right? And by could, barely. Like we're still like, oh my god, budget, 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 shit, 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 right. money. Um, but we were able to uh, live off of his salary, and uh, we also had to, you know, keep in mind. And she talks about this also in the book. I swear to God, like this book is brilliant. It's like everything you ever think about. Um you know, I wasn't making as much as my husband. So if I was making, you know, X amount of dollars and my nanny is like 50,000 a year, like, is it even worth it? You know what I mean? I didn't, I hadn't worked. Well, moving from, I did work before, you know, I came back to LA and I worked. Um, but 
I wasn't making a, a big enough salary to kind of be like, okay, I'm going to get a full-time nanny. Right. So I, I, not only did I not want to go back personally, but I don't think financially was a smart, it would have been a smart idea anyway. Right. right. So it worked out great for both reasons. Right. Um, but yeah, I stayed home. Um, I loved it. I was, you know, fortunate enough to be able to do it. And I think it's great. And I also am jealous a lot of my mommies, my mommy friends that work. Yeah. It's both. Like I, I love staying at home, but I also am the type of person that needs to get out and do things and have a life. Like tonight I'm going out with my girlfriends and I have a nanny on Wednesdays and Fridays and I made, um, my husband's out of town. I like botched up the hours of my nanny just so like I was like, come in the morning, I'm going to record a podcast then you could go home and then come back. She lives close to me. Then come back so I could go out at night because I have an event. And I'm like, you know, that was also important to me. So I, I was jealous of my mom friends who worked and got to speak to people all the time right. and got to, you know, communicate and go out to lunch and go pee and poop when they wanted to. And I, it, so, you know, I, I, I commend moms who work and I, I love that they work. Yeah. I just chose to stay at home for, you know, those reasons. Do you think that you would ever consider going back to work? Um, po- the podcast is my work. I mean, that's true. So like, yeah, I mean, look, my kids are two and four. Um, my daughter's going to start preschool. My son's in preschool. I am at a very good place in my life where if this podcast for some reason, like was a, let's just say the podcast was a nine to five right now. It, it, it will never be, but let's just say it was. I would gladly do it. Right. And I would get the coverage for, you know, the rest of the time or someone to pick up my kids because I love it so much. Like I also like didn't love what I was doing. Right. So for me, like thinking about, you know, not staying at home wasn't even an option. I was like, I don't even love what I'm doing right now. Podcast. I love the Mama Said podcast. I I live and die for it. Like it's so great for me. I would do it full time right now, if I could. If you could. Yeah. It, I mean, they, that's the nice thing. And it is full time. Like I'm constantly doing this, but you right. know, it's, it's like more at home. It's yeah. different. But if, if, you know, it had to be a nine to five desk job, I would do it right now. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, one of the things she does mention, and I think it, we definitely should mention is that the option to have a stay at home parent, mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. talks about how that really changes the data because the kind of people who are able to have a stay at home parent often is a reflection of class, race, location. Yeah, yeah. And I think she also does a good job in this book of kind of calling that out. Like yeah. when she's looking at studies saying like the kind of person that this pertains to makes the di- makes them different than other kinds yes. of people for whatever reason. And in her in her first book, um, I remember I listened to some of it um, and I remember her saying, talking about drinking while pregnant. And mm, What did she say? You can have a drink every day. Right. Um, she says you can have a, uh, did she have a drink? She did. She yeah. had a glass of wine almost okay. every day, she said. But she talks about how the data basically is talking about binge drinking a lot. But the kind of person who's binge drinking, right. turns out, is also doing cocaine. Right. While the pre- dangerous. The person the day- who's binge drinking yes. while pregnant yes. is often doing cocaine. And she's like, that's a big difference yeah. than just having five glasses of wine. Yeah. Even though it's still binge drinking, you're also introducing a totally different substance. Yes. Yeah. So she kind of calls that out in this book also when there are different um, studies. Research is like, yeah. this, this study is great, except for you have to look at. And like, so for. Like case, you look at the big picture. The like, big, yeah. Big picture. Yeah. Like, you can't have a stay at home parent if you are in a single parent household. Yeah. So like that <laughs> yeah. changes the data. Yeah. And that's going to change 
a lot of things about how the kids are, are learn and are educated and mm-hmm. what, what becomes important and how, you know, like some people in those situations become more driven. Like yeah. kids who come from single family, single parent households, like yes. they often become entrepreneurs or they become yeah. more driven because, because of that. Or Absolutely. vice versa. Like there's kids where they don't have enough supervision. And so then they fall into situations yes. where they, you know, they figure out, you know, so, but she at least It's so situational, but yes. Yeah, but yeah. she acknowledges this, yeah. which I really appreciate because I think sometimes in books where it's like they want to make a point. It uh-huh. doesn't feel like she has an agenda. Yeah. So she's like, okay, this is what I'm seeing in these She's studies. like the by the way. Like I know the study says this, but like just so you know. Like, it, take yeah. it with a grain of salt yes. because there's a certain socioeconomic yes. group of people that have the ability to do that. Yes. And, and you know, and then there are people who have stay-at-home parents who also have full-time nannies. And like that's a totally different socioeconomic sphere. That's a big topic amongst like mommy friends all the time. Really? Yeah. Conversation. It's more judgy, honestly, like, because I think a lot of moms are jealous that they don't, they can't have that. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like I've like looked down on it a couple of times in my life, not anymore, Mm -hmm. but before I had kids, I would say, Oh my God, like she doesn't work. And she has a full-time nanny. Like what the, what the hell? Like that's like, pay attention to your kid. Now that I have kids, I think differently, but I think, um, but I'm, I'm being totally honest. Like I was judgy about that. I thought like that shouldn't, like, that's not right. Right. Um, and the truth is you can be a wonderful mother and not work and have a nanny too. Yeah. Because I have friends who are stay at home, uh, who don't have a job and they have full-time nannies and they are wonderful moms. Right. Um, so it is not, you know, they're, but it's just, Every situation is different. Um, right. but yeah, like a lot of mom friends are always like, Oh my God, like she, she has a full time nanny. And, right. and I think a lot of it comes from jealousy. Sure. Like they might not have help. So like they look at someone who doesn't even need the help and they have it. So right. like F totally. them. Right. Um, and then that, I mean, and then to bring it back to the book, that totally does skew the data about a yeah. stay at home parent, right? Cause like yeah. the people who can afford to do that probably can afford other things for their kids and their education. Totally. And, this and that. So totally. it's like, it's like all, all, none of this stuff in this book is to, in a vacuum. Like yeah. It's all yeah. kind of connected to the next thing. Yes. Um, yes. But I think I said this, I don't know if I said this last week or this week, but one of the things she says is that they found that the best performance in school mm-hmm. comes from kids who have full-time parent and part-time parent working. Oh. So a full-time parent who works and a part-time yes. parent who works. And I thought that I was interesting. That. Okay. Um, I think this is one of the things that she says that then later on it all evens out, like by like seven. Like my that's perfect for me. Yeah. So good for you. You're <laughs> yeah, doing right. Yeah. Congratulations. Like, thank you very much. <laughs> She's talking How did I miss that part of the book? I like caught myself. Yeah, on the back. seriously. But I think I think, you know, I I know my mom has said, and I've heard other people who have moms who were full time working full time that the way that they felt really good about the work that they were doing was like, I'm showing my daughter how to be a strong woman and like how to be, right. how, you know, and I think it was a different time, like in the 80s, yeah. Yeah. that there was, women had something to prove yeah. in the workplace. Yeah. And I think now we still have a lot to prove, but yeah, I think it's, it's different. And I think more the focus on parenting, I think these things come in waves. Yeah, totally. And so I feel like now people are like, it's a, 
it's a badge of honor to be a stay-at-home parent yes. in a way that our moms – I think you're around the same age. Yeah. Our moms probably like maybe would look down on that or think differently about it. Right. Like 20 or 30 years ago. Right, right, right. So it'll be interesting to see like – what our kids I know. will think about our choices as moms. Yes. It's so yeah, it's so funny. Whenever I'm so proud to be doing this podcast or like working, whatever yeah. it would have been, like a podcaster or whatever. Um I'm always really proud to talk about it with my kids because I feel like I finally have a job that I love. Right. And it's I don't think I've ever had that besides me singing, which is like my true passion. Right. Um I feel like I wear that badge of honor. And I'm like really excited. Like today I was like, okay, honey, I have to go because I'm recording a podcast and I've got to go. And it like makes me feel so good. Um, and I haven't, I hadn't had that feeling in so long. Like I, like I said, I looked at my friends who worked and I, I really looked up to them. Like I, w- right. I was a stay-at-home mom and I was really proud to be a stay-at-home mom. But I also like half of me was just like, God, I think I'm a little jealous that, right. that they're like going out and like showing their kids that mommy's working and daddy's working. So yeah. You know, well, I, I think also some of that just has to do with being, sounds like you're fulfilled in what yeah, you're doing. And I yes. think that showing your kids yes. that is also important because I think that's yeah. ultimately like what my that's mom That's the ultimate would say. goal. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's not just that my mom was proud to go to work and like be a badass and kick ass at yeah. her job, but it was that she loved it and she was, my mom's super competitive like me. Really? So she was proud of being the best. Yeah. And like showing us. Like that women can be the best, you know? And like, it sounds like kind of what you're saying is you're proud of the work that you're doing. And so it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're there nine to five or you're there 30 minutes a month, like whatever it is. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it takes to do a podcast. Yeah. In the studio, but 24, but literally 24 seven. I mean, it's, it's 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 crazy. Yeah. I'm constantly doing this podcast. Um, that's like another thing. I now I'm like always like, oh my God, I'm on my phone too much in front of my kids. Like maybe I do, you know, well, my daughter's going to start school soon. So it's going to free up a lot of my time. But right now I struggle with the, I'm doing all of this stuff for my podcast and my daughter sees me on the phone and it's a little, you know, right. I don't like it right now. Cause, cause she's just watching me, you know, communicate, but right. it will, oh, it'll change in January. But, um, that's that's a whole other thing. I don't even think she talks about that, like the phone yeah, thing. She yeah, she talks about screen time for the for kids, a second. Yeah, she doesn't talk about parents she, on screen. Time. Yeah, she. I was surprised that like yeah. that didn't well, make it in. It's probably her next book. Well, also, so a lot of this book is evidence based, and she says the research just isn't in yet. Right, like, it's just not. We haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, because it's also new, and so yeah. the studies aren't in. They're not conclusive. They're mm-hmm. small or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I did say to my husband. So we love sports. We watch so much sports. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we met because of baseball. Really? Like That's so cute. Like a huge, huge sports yeah. family. And one of the, I've said two things to my husband now about sports and these babies. One is that I was like, I don't care who my babies sleep with. I don't care how they identify. I don't yeah. care any, I, whatever they want, I'm here. I can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. But if they don't like sports, yes. I'm going to be so big mad. Watch. I'm, they're not going to like sports. I'm going to be big mad. Yeah. I'm going to be like, okay, cool. Well, then you can hang out with your dad. But you know what? So whatever your dad did, like on Sundays, yeah, he brought like how cute is that? Like that's probably why you were so into sports. Yeah, so I'm gonna force so my kids you, to watch sports. Absolutely. But then the other thing, I'm reading the chapter about screen time for kids, and I turn to my husband Look, I'm like, do you think it counts if I'm watching a baseball game and the kids are in Here's the room? what I'll have like, to say. I don't think that counts. I'll tell you what I did. Like I I think babies, you know, when they're first born, um, 
so I was really strict about no screen time for my son until he was like two. I didn't even wait till three. Like two was when I really like let him sit in front of a TV. Um, sometimes before that, I would like turn it on while I took a shower, but then like would turn it off. Right. I felt like this tremendous guilt. Right. I don't know why. Like maybe it's because my mom said it's not good, doctor, whatever. I just felt this like weird guilt. And so I, I didn't do screen time a lot. My daughter, it's hard because my son now watches TV. Mm. I still feel this like weird guilt. So I only let her watch Daniel Tiger or Sesame Street. She's okay. almost two. And if that, it's like one episode and like turn it off. Um, but when they were born, I do think like their eyes are so gentle. Right. Um, I would turn them if the TV was on in someone else's house or in our house, I would turn them because their eyes are, you know, right. new and they can't even focus on anything. So like imagine seeing a TV. So like that's all I would say. Like yeah. I just don't think like newborn babies need to sit and well, stare at right. a screen. I mean, I don't think newborn babies. But a lot of yeah. people do. Yeah. Um just hold their baby and watch TV and their baby's like this in front of the screen. I, this is my personal preference. Right. Like, and I don't think like that's good for their eyes. Yeah. I just don't. Right. No, that makes um, sense. I, I'm thinking more like, cause she talks about like educational television. Yeah. She's talking about and you letting can't even, your kid watch TV. But they I'm don't like, know anything until age of three, I think she said, yeah. or two. It was like between two and three. Yeah. It was like kind of the, the soft spot yeah. of like maybe they're learning, but probably yeah. not. And then yeah. like three and four, they could learn from TV. Yeah. They can remember really. songs and stuff, but they're probably not like, Right. Really being like ABC that sells, you know, and, and right, red exactly. shape. I mean, so I'm like, can they, I'm like, can me having sports on like be okay? <laughs> it's, and then I was going to say also like, of course it's okay. Right. Like, of course it's okay. Just, radio, so yeah, but, all, but like my, my point being like, yes, like they can sit with you and watch sports. Right. Like you're not like parking them in front of like the TV by themselves for two and a half hours. Right. Um, I think everything in moderation is right. fine. No, of course. But it was like, those were, those were, I know. Because I'm like, there's not enough conclusive evidence. For I know, I know. Answer here. I know. Well, you, could, you could bend the rules for <laughs> for anything you want that you makes you happy. Take them to sporting events. It's fine. I but know. I'm just like, that's the one thing. I don't mind not watching TV. I'm like, whatever. But the sports. Like, yeah. Because like, they're going to be born during the NFL Let playoff them hear time. it. Let them listen to oh, it. Yeah. I mean, they will or... Or I'll just, you know, we'll just figure out. They can be, I don't need them watching, but I need to be watching. Yeah, but like my whole point, my point was like, of course they can watch. Like just, right. I was just like when they're like newborns. Like, no, I've heard a lot of people like, say that. Cause yeah. It's not, can't possibly be good even for our eyes. Yeah. So I can't imagine yeah. it's good for someone's yeah. eyes who like can't even focus. Yeah, exactly. In front of their face. Like, yeah. It's just, it's, all, it's just too much going on with them. It's, it's, you know, over, right. over stimulation. Um, there was one, one other fact in the book that I, I shook me to my core. Five percent of babies never crawl. They just go from sitting yeah. to walking. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Is that you... weird? I, I was like, am I, am I yeah. reading this wrong? Um, it was such a minor part of the book, but I was like, it's it's funny. It's a crazy. minor part of the book, but like, I actually and this is what I've read. It's actually like, that's not great to oh, go really? for. Yeah. The, what I've heard is it's not gr like if it's happened to you and your kid is normal, like that's because like, I'm probably wrong. Like I've heard like developmentally, like you huh. really want your kid to crawl. Interesting. Yeah. Like if you don't like, they're fine. I know some of my friends like were like, I never crawled and they are perfectly fine right. human beings. But I think like in the developmental wor world, you, you want to try to let to your kids crawl. It's like crawl. a huge, um, developmental milestone that is huh. good for them. I just had never heard of not crawling. So yeah. I was like, I didn't know this was a thing. So funny, I right? I no idea. I actually, um, my daughter, 
rolled really early on, but then just didn't after that. And, um, I went to, I brought her to the specialist in LA because I was just like, you know, I want her to be developmentally, you know, on track. And I feel like she should be rolling at this point. She did. And then she stopped. Um, and the woman said something really interesting. She was like, look, like, um, we could teach them how to do things. They don't have to just like all of a sudden be like, and one day I can crawl and one day oh. I can walk. Like you can actually teach them like you do talking. Like when you're talking to your kid, you're saying A, B, C, A, B, C. And then eventually they'll say A, B, C. You know what right. I mean? Like you're, you're teaching them right. their brain. It's the same for movement. Like you're teaching them. So you can actually teach them movements, like how to crawl, the steps to turn. So I did that. I worked with her and it like fully works. Their brain is remembering movements on how to put, tuck their, tuck their legs into their chest to turn. And I did this repetitive, repetitively over and over again with my daughter until, you know, a couple of weeks later, she was turning and rolling. And I just, it was really interesting. That's so interesting because I just always think that babies just figure it out on their and own And they usually time. do, but sometimes they need a little push. Right. Well, right. You teach your kids and it's And it's else. a really, and she was telling me it's really important for them to hit these milestones right. of, of turning. Like, let's not skip it. Let's like focus on letting them actually... Right. Like make them. Right. And she talks a lot about milestones, physical yeah. and verbal in this book, which I thought yes. that part was really interesting. I, yeah. And I, that was an important chapter for me because I'm going through that right now where my daughter, who's almost two, knows a lot of words, but my son at her age was talking in sentences. Right. So like while it's hard not to compare, like I'm also not worried, but I really was interested well, in that helpful. one chapter. Yeah. She explains why it's important. Yeah. And like what the milestones are. And kind yeah. Of like, why they matter. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I don't think we always understand why or where milestones come from. Yeah. Milestones is a tricky one. It's a really like, uh, it's, it, it brings on a lot of anxiety for moms a lot. Um, I remember it, mommy and me. Oh my gosh. Like moms <laughs> would listen to my son talk. It's funny because like the tables are turned. Like now I'm doing the same thing with my daughter. Right. They would be like, well, Milo's is doing this. Milo's talking and my son doesn't say anything. Oh my God. Like, should I take him to a speech therapist? Does he have autism? Like, it's really scary for moms and milestones. Like you should just listen to your, ask your pediatrician. Like with that, I would say like, don't like get those emails where like this month you're getting a milestone email because it's going to freak you the fuck out if your son or daughter didn't hit it. Well, everyone's different and we develop in different ways and some people develop physically first and, yeah. and verbally. Yeah. 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 That stuff I'm less stressed out about now. But I'm yeah. Sure but now, but like it's different when you're when actually you're like when it. you're going to mommy me class and everyone's walking right. for two months and your kid isn't. Right. Um, doesn't mean anything's wrong. No. You ask, she, that she said, like her daughter didn't walk. And then at 15 months, she like went to her Dr. Lee <laughs> and she was like, what the fuck? Like what's going on? Two weeks later, her daughter started walking while this other kid was walking at 12 right. months, you know, but you know, you have to ask your pediatrician. They're the ones who are going to tell you like, this is when we have to start to worry. Don't read like the email that you're getting on right. your app right. or whatever. Well, I've learned that also from the pregnancy apps. Those, those are, those so, are, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, okay, first of all, I don't know how my kid could be the size of a zucchini, but also be the size of yeah. a cabbage. This yeah. Week. Yeah. I'm very confused. Yeah. But also I'll always ask my husband, I'm like, is this true? And he's like, or like yeah kind of yeah like, it's just like really. so generalized i'm yeah. sure um it's so general and like i go to the doctor every two weeks so i actually know how much my baby yeah weighing pretty yeah. much every time i go yeah. and then i get the thing and it's like 
my baby's a pound more than what you're saying. I know. I know. It's always like a little funky, but yeah, like that's another piece of advice. Like just like, don't like ask people who you trust, like your pediatrician, like especially about milestones. Like that's, that's a, that's a topic that could really like spiral you into like a dark space. Well, it sounds just like some of your most like consistent advice is just find the people. Mm -hmm stay with the people that you trust, like surround yeah. yourself with you. And I think that that's true probably for all parts life of life in general. Like yeah. Find the people that speak to you yeah. and help you and that hear you and trust you and that you trust and then just yeah. like, be, do that. Yeah. And I think that's right. Yeah. Probably for everything. For sure. Um, okay. The last thing we always talk about for every book is the title and the cover. Mm. So this book is bright yellow. It's called Crib Sheet, a data-driven guide to better, more relaxed parenting from birth to preschool. If you're not looking at the book right now, the cover is a crib, but inside Data. the crib is a grass. Yeah. And then up above, there's a mobile Mobian. that's got like shapes on it. Yeah. What do you think of the title on the cover? Very catchy. Yeah. It's spot on. It yeah. does the trick. It's, you know, it's exactly what she's talking about. It's yeah. like something as simple as a crib sheet, yeah. but with a lot of fucking data with yeah. it. Totally. I mean, I think, <laughs> I feel like oftentimes when we talk about titles and covers, like one of the biggest things that irritates me is when I don't feel like the book is packaged for what it is. Mm. And this book is packaged for exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. Like I got this book. It came. I opened it. it there was no surprises. For no. Me. Besides the fact that it was more readable than I thought it might be. Right? Was she was static. funny. Yeah. She's funny. Yeah. I mean, she's like, you know. Yeah. I think relatable. She's totally relatable. The book is really exactly what it what it yeah. claims to be, which I always appreciate because I read so many books. And yeah. I'm like, why are you trying to trick me? Yeah. I hate being tricked. Yeah. Yeah. I hate magic because I don't like to be tricked. Yeah. I just, I'm like, yeah. I want to know what I'm getting. And this book yeah. is, looks like what it is, yes. which I appreciate. No, she, and she the only great. thing, I think the only thing I didn't love about uh-huh. the book was I just felt like the second half of the book, because so much of it was like about, well, it was just, there wasn't data that said conclusively one way or the other. Right. So I just kind of felt like at the end, I was like, okay, so basically all this is just my opinion. Oh, I, that's what I loved about the book. That's so funny. Well, I think also that's because that's yeah. where you are yeah. parenting. Yeah. Like you're in the... You're preschool. like searching for more answers. Yeah, because like, I'm in the phase where I'm yeah. like, do I need to breastfeed? Like, yeah, it's do like I, I loved size? that I was reading this and I was like, been there, done that, been yeah, there, done that. Totally. Totally. Because <laughs> yeah. like in her yeah. first book, the beginning part is like all about conceiving. Yes. And I just skipped that whole section. I was like, did it, yeah. done. Yeah. But like, so for me, the second half, I was like... I think I'll probably revisit this book later on yeah. when my kids are older and I'll probably have different feelings about yeah. the second half because it'll pertain to me and I'll want permission to make my own yes, yes. Whereas in the first half, I was like, tell me what to yeah, do. Like, tell I me know. about coasting. But you can kind of hear by the way she writes, like, a, she, I feel like there's like an underlying she way of like her telling you what she, yeah. For sure. 100%. And that's why I was saying like, I did everything that she did kind of like, right. I would like... It just, I could tell, like, she was like, so it's like validating. Like, without her saying it, it was like, but this is what you should do. Yeah. You know? Totally. Totally. Well, Jenna, do you have anything else you want to throw in about this book before we get out of here? Um, no, we just need her on the podcast. I we know. need Emily, Emily Oster on, on the podcast right now, and then we'll drink wine at the same Let's time. Let's talk yeah. in depth about screen time, specifically sports, Emily. That's I. her next book. I bet you she's writing it right <laughs> it's now. Called, like sports for yeah. Tracy. <laughs> yes, exactly. For, she's writing personalized books for just everyone. For everybody yeah. who has questions. Yes. Well, Jenna, thank you so much for being here. You guys can catch Jenna on the Mama Said podcast. I will link to that and all of Jenna's social in the 
show notes. But thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so happy for you. Yay. Well, and you're heavy. <laughs> we'll see how I'm feeling when this episode actually comes out into the world. Can't wait. But you guys, we will see you in the stacks. That does it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Jenna Paris for being our guest. Make sure to check Jenna out on the Mama Said podcast on the Lady Gang Network. I'd also like to say thank you to the folks over at Penguin Press for sending over a copy of Crib Sheet by Emily Oster. You can find everything we discussed on today's episode in the link in the show notes. Make sure to get your book recommendation read on air by sending us an email at askingthestacks at gmail.com. For more from The Stacks, please follow us on social media at The Stacks Pod on Instagram and at The Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter and check out our website, thestackspodcast.com. To join the Stacks Pack and get inside access to this show, head to patreon.com slash the Stacks. Make sure you are subscribed to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite, and our theme music is from Tagiragis. This show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas.